keep saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 288. I am Alonzo Duralde, sitting in for Ify Wadaway, who is on the Joko cruise, which we're still trying to figure out exactly what that is. But we have a stellar panel for today, so we're so glad you're here with us. Kicking off, of course, with uh, the name-dropped-est uh, 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 Queen of the Midwest I know, uh, film festival programmer, producer extraordinaire, Drea Clark. Drea, what's good? Oh, first off, I think it's important to anyone listening know that my cat Trillian is behaving very well and is sitting on my lap as we record. So I will be extra good this episode. Maybe the best I've ever been. She's not chewing um, anything. Not actually. That's probably why it's best. I won't be snapping at her. Um, but, you know, she'll probably chew something in a second. What's actually good with me, the Spirit Awards were this last weekend. And at least one of our nominees was a wheelchair user. Reed Davenport, fantastic documentarian. He has a film called I Didn't See You There, which I re- recommend wholeheartedly. But... The good part of it was following the awards, he and his producer, Keith, followed up with us and said that our show had been the most accessible event that they had gone to. And I can't even tell you how I take that to heart. Like, it means a lot to me, to the production team, to Film Independent. Like, we talk about inclusivity all the time, but on a production level... Um, And also, Reed ended up winning and made it to stage beautifully and had a truly incredible speech that inspired a standing ovation that felt very genuine and exciting. Um, And yeah, that was very good for me. I feel really good about that. See, awards givers do not get in the position where, you know, the guy in the wheelchair wins the award and, you know, there's no ramp and then everyone looks bad on television. Yeah, exactly. You don't, nobody, nobody wants that. You don't want that. Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, we are so delighted uh, to add to our rogues gallery of incredible uh, guests on this show. Comedian, writer, host of the podcast TV, I say, with Ashley Ray, none other than Ashley Ray. Ashley, what's good? Uh, hey, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, what's good? I have recently just like deeply, deeply fallen in love with the second season of a show called Extreme Sisters. Uh, the The show is the only thing probably giving me continued hope in the world. It's the thing that keeps me going week to week. Uh, if you're not familiar, Extreme Sisters, it's it's a TLC show about just that. It's a reality show about sisters who are way too close. They're too close. They take baths together. They, like, wax each other. It's weird. They're too close. But there's there's this pair of twins on the show who have to do everything together. They dress exactly the same. They speak in unison. One of them gets an infected tooth and has to get it taken out, and the other one's like, I gotta get a tooth taken out too. It's like a tooth for a tooth, and they say it together. And it's, they're like, they're my remaining brain cells. Like, I love <laughs> yeah. them. I love them. Boundaries, Extreme the sisters. series. Yeah. I have never Extreme heard sisters. of it, and I kind of want us to hurry up with this taping so I can get started. <laughs> It's the best, best show. I want my sticky hands all over it. Yeah. There are these two sisters who swear they're psychic and they take Mm. baths together. And it's, it's my favorite. I mean, I've got the MILF show and the DILF show. I didn't know there was room for anything else, but maybe now there has to be. Yeah. There is. 
Um, I have a sister and I once, as an adult, wanted her to braid her hair together with mine because I thought it'd be funny for a photo. And the look that she gave me is what tells me we're never going to be on Extreme Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and my yeah. sisters, we would never be on that show. But it, these sisters. Yeah. These yeah. sisters. Speaking of sisters, Alonzo, what's good? I'm sorry. I'm not good at them anyway. And that one was probably inappropriate. I don't even know where that came. Although, I, uh, coincidentally, I do have two sisters staying with me right now, which is very oh. exciting. Fitting. From various far-flung corners of the planet. They came to L.A. for a visit, and we're having a lovely time. Uh, what's good with me this week is a friend of the show, Kristen Lopez, has a new book out. It's called But Have You Read the Book? 52 literary gems that inspired our favorite film. So it's giving you a year's worth of movies to catch up with. And she basically digs into... Uh, big screen adaptations, everything from Gone with the Wind and Jaws to Valley of the Dolls and The Princess Bride and sort of parses out like what the movies kept, what they put aside, what they should have kept and didn't, you know, um, there's a real skill to adaptation. And, uh, you know, many is the time I'm sure you have a beloved book and then you see the movie and you're like, what the hell was that? Uh, and so uh, Kristen does a really cool deep dive into 52 classics, some of which you might not even know were adapted from other uh, source material. But uh, that book just hit this week. So pick it up wherever you buy books. And Yay, uh, Kristen Lopez, go get the yeah. book. Woo. Supporter. That sounds so cool. What we also hope you are picking up uh, is uh, EO, which is now streaming on the Criterion channel. It is one last Oscar nominee on this show before the Academy Awards happen on Sunday. It's a Polish film. It is up for Best International Feature. Uh, so we're going to be talking all about that. And later, we'll tell you what non-human perspectives we'd like to see on the big screen. But first, it's time for It a Dick, our movie news segment where we ask each other the vital questions. Is this important? Do I care? We are in the waning dog days of award season. And so, of course, this week, all of our interdicts are related to various award shows in one way or another. Um, I would love to begin this, if you don't mind, Alonzo. Oh, do. Uh, thank you. Th I will. Seth Rogen is producing a new CG animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And now we know who is in the cast. Rogan yeah. made the casting announcement at the Nickelodeon Choice Awards. That's part of our awards theme on Saturday. That counts. Right? That's in the theme. Jackie Chan will voice Splinter, Rose Byrne, Ayo Etabiri, Paul Rudd, Maya Rudolph, Hannibal Buress, and, you know, Post Malone, why not, are all among the supporting cast. <laughs> but perhaps most surprising is that the quartet of Teenage Turtles is being voiced by actual teenage actors. Is this important? Do you care? I, I can't <laughs> say that I care, <laughs> per se. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> but look, I, you know, Seth Rogen, I think, has a pretty impressive track record as an actor and as, as for various products projects he has shepherded, Sausage Party notwithstanding. Um, so I'm curious to see what his take uh, on the, the the on TMNT would be. Uh, I I never thought it was a big deal that whether or not they were voiced by 
teenagers, because I assume they are neither mutant nor ninja nor turtle, but sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, okay, fine. It's better than it going to, like, you know, some adult, them giving it to one of the Chris's again. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy with real teenagers. I think the one that most excited me is Io playing April O'Neil. That's really, really cool. Oh, is that, that who she's playing? Yeah, yeah. She's going to be April. And that's making a lot of people angry, uh, of course, on oh, the internet who are like, April O'Neil shouldn't be played by a black woman. It's that, so <laughs> that was the part where I, I got excited about her casting. You mean you fictional hand-drawn woman, April yes. O'Neil? Shouldn't <laughs> be black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who also- Hard-hitting journalist. Yeah. Then a bunch of other nerds were like, there have already been black April O'Neils, so it's okay. This is, you know, canon and- yeah, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. that's probably what they're talking about on the Joko cruise right now. Yes. As we speak, yes. no is, doubt. Is, yeah. As we There's speak. There's a three-hour panel on this. I'm a little bummed that one of the original Turtle voices is uh, the legendary Cam Clark, who uh, is one of the uh, cousins of the King family, the musical King family, uh, and the gay one. Uh, so, you know, I think that he's... Somebody that I've been a big fan of. He's you. You can see him as a toddler on those old Christmas specials. But oh, like wow. he is, I, I also went to his one man show in in the a couple of years ago in a theater here, and he's hilarious and has this whole other like Ninja Turtle nerd fan base that has no idea that you know he and his mom were once the lead into the Lawrence Welk show. I'm just delighted that it's a Clark that was the gay one. That means <laughs> yeah. a lot to me. Yeah. And the other Clarks. Good for you, Cam. Yeah. You know, I'm looking up these teenagers who are voicing the the turtles. I don't know any of these children. And of course, I'm an adult. I shouldn't. But like, the I, like are these TikTok teens? You know what? That's, that means they're know. doing it right. Yeah. That, they did a good job. And also, get that cash. Get your college yeah. fund going. There's no other <laughs> way you're going to be able to afford it. Be a, be a Newton, mutant ninja turtle. Okay, yeah. these aren't That's... euphoria teens. These are real teens. So oh, okay. This good. this should be uh, good. Stalker Channing is not involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies, this year's In Memoriam Oscar segment will be accompanied by the live sounds of Lenny Kravitz. Uh, the Academy Awards are, if you're listening to the show the day it drops or the day after, this Sunday. And if you're one of those people who tunes in to get a little bummed out, you're probably wondering who will be performing the music for the Not annual yet. In Memoriam section. You know, the part where they show photos of the many, but never all, of the industry professionals who passed away last year. Well, this week we got news, none other than Mr. Lenny Kravitz, uh, most famous as a musician and, of course, you know, uh, wearer of low-slung pants. Uh, Kravitz has also mm-hmm. acted in a few movies, including last year's or this year's. Uh, time is a flat circle shotgun wedding is this important do you care i want him to wear that big ass scarf so badly (laughs) like just bedazzle it up right like a formal scarf he's a funny choice i'm not he would not come to mind but also wouldn't have come to mind he is an actor makes music yeah he's a recording artist but the in memoriam is always the weirdest navigated produced section of the show because a there's always an outcry over who makes the cut of their photos and then b it turns into a weird dead person like popularity contest yeah popularity it's so strange I think that's why they have the live musician every year now, because they figured that that was the one way to make people hold their applause until the end like oh we gotta listen to Lenny well yeah just it it, it, it's you know it's it's like how hey, you don't applaud between movements at the symphony or they look yeah. at you funny. You know, like, I, I th- yes, because you're right. It was so like, oh, yay, we love 
uh, I don't know who that agent was. You know, uh, but yeah, if they have a live person doing the music, then everybody just shuts the f up, and then at the end, you know, they cut to commercial or whatever, and so it doesn't become a thing of like, you know, who's who does the room like best among this yeah. year's most recently deceased? Well, I had voted for Lydia Tarr to be conducting <laughs> this section. I personally, I am excited for Lenny because maybe his pants will rip and his dick will pop out again. Like, you know, that, that fantastic performance he did years ago. Yep. And we still It talk is a about live it. show, you know. You never know what I do love happen. that you could put an again on that sentence. <laughs> no, right? For no one else. Okay, no. work with me here. So Will Smith, in order to change the topic of conversation, sabotages Lenny's... I think I, I'm seeing it all there come you together go. here. Yeah, he sabotages... And then Lenny, during the in memoriam, that would be front page news. Come on. Oh, yeah. no question. No question. They get their, they'll get, that's their, their track to getting the ratings back. Yeah, okay. Our third awards item comes to us from none other than producer Marissa. Welcome. Hey, yeah, just dropping in here to, you know, to get a change of voice and also to let you guys know I'll, something that you may already be aware of if you're in the Zoom. Listeners, I, I hope you've caught up on this. Everything, everywhere, all at once. One big yet again at the Independent Spirit Awards, a little award ceremony that you may have heard of if you listen to the show. Um, in addition to taking home all three acting awards, uh, the movie took home Best Editing, Best Screenplay, Best Feature, and uh, Best Director for the Daniels. Uh, and I have a clip, so uh, roll that, yeah, roll that yeah. clip. Let's do a clip. Okay, I will. Everyone uh, at the Sundance Labs, Sundance the Labs. folks at the Spirit Awards, the folks at Sidewalk Film Festival who believed in me. Um, yeah, the Film Independent. Thank you so much, especially Drea Clark. You were an ad- early adopter. Yes, yes Drea. Drea. Drea was one of the first people brave enough to program our short film Interesting Ball into an actual film festival, and that. If no one's seen it before, it's a short film in which he goes up my butt and it's beautiful. And yet she put it in the film festival. Thank you so much. You have been the biggest champion. Um, also, Andrea. yeah, there you are. <laughs> also, at the, at the Los Angeles Film Festival, um, where you programmed it, that's where we met our producer, John Wong, for the first time. I'm serious. Meet your people tonight. This is where you're going to find them. Um, I also want to just thank, uh, just, <laughs> there's so many people to thank. I can't, I can't keep them straight. All right. Well, there you go uh, from Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. Just a little audio clip. No big deal. No big deal. Is this important? Do you Not care? important. Don't care. Just a <laughs> No, I am delighted because, A, uh, you know, Drea deserves it because she is out there doing, doing the Lord's work when it comes to finding the new voices and, and providing platforms for them. But also, I have to say, like, as somebody who's a longtime festival programmer, like, I'm totes jelly because, like, that is the kind of thing that you want people to remember, the, you know, the, the ones that you were there for back when nobody knew who they were or wanted to know anything about them. And you were like, no, I see something here. I'm excited about this. I think people, I think there's an audience for this, and I want that audience to, to have the opportunity to see it. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm super, super proud of Drea. And so, yeah, as, as if he pointed out in the group chat, every time she's all, I'm, I'm a cog, and I don't know, I'm not anybody. We have this to hold over her forever. Yeah. <laughs> you mean literally in last week's episode when she was like, don't say that I am the person pulling the strings. But I just love the this moment. I mean, these guys obviously had been on the stage a lot of times. So they're like, okay, we have a chance now to make the list no, a little we longer. We thanked all and the still, everything everywhere people. Really, yeah. Who else we got? 
And still, they devote like 30 whole seconds to just talking about how Drea helped them. And it's such a great payoff to for the whole run of this movie leading up to it, during it, as it's, you know, grown in popularity. Drea has talked about the Daniels and said, oh, my sweet boys, my sweet boys. And now uh, we get to hear the reverse Turns side out of the she story. she has met all them after out. all. Yeah. 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 It, it was all real. It was all true. All yeah. <laughs> we um, never know. Yeah. No, it will not surprise you. So I was in the audience and heard my name and immediately burst into tears and was also very confused as to what was happening. All the people around me. And this is a very weird or small insular group that like, there's no other large, like if this was the Oscars, nobody is going to know who I am. But this, the Independent Spirit Awards is a room where, oh yeah, more people do actually know. So then there were all these people <laughs> staring at me and I was like, why are people looking? So I didn't hear anything they said after my name. <laughs> and the, the fun part of it is the short that they mentioned is actually like the fourth or fifth thing of theirs that I had programmed. <laughs> um, the first the first thing I programmed was a music video of theirs in like 2009 or something. Um, and, and that's the one that John uh, Wong came to where they met him. But I did, I was part of the interesting ball brigade as well. Anyway, I, I love them. And I do think it also, it speaks so much to the kind of humans they are of not just acknowledging that, but taking that time to point out, like, I am just a part of a cog. Like I'm certainly was not the only programmer who has, advocated for them or cheered them on and um anyway it it meant a lot and and i really wish i had done more to in my small you guys know i'm not good at social media anyway but i wish i had been like this was for all the programmers because alonzo's so right like everyone thinks they can program and you get like it's like oh what you watch movies Ooh, it's a hard job. Oh my gosh, how do you even manage? Like basically factory work. Um, and then it, it's also such a strange, you're you're like doing this thing and then the more successful people are, the less you generally have to do with them. So it was an amazingly endearing and uh, wonderful moment that I will, it, w- it will be what's good for me probably for years and years to come. Well, we're going to take a moment to dry our eyes, but when we come back, we'll talk about the very acclaimed, and really, we hope you've seen it by now, EO. Oh, I hope they've got the bread bowl. Have you seen the bread bowl at this place? Mm -hmm. Good evening. Welcome to Maximum Fun. Have you been here before? It's her first time. Very good. Might I recommend our special? Oh, please. Can I interest you in the Max Fun Drive? I'm told they're cooking up something quite extraordinary this year. I've heard about this. With limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members? That's right. (laughs) We'll take it. How would you like your episodes? Uh, Can I get them excellent with new Boko on the side? Oh, are there live stream events? Absolutely. You know, if you're interested in events, Meetup Day is returning. What? Oh, you're going to love Meetup Day. It's the best. Okay, let me make sure I have everything. Max Fun Drive 2023 with limited time thank you gifts, live stream events, meetup day, excellent episodes, and of course, new bonus content. Sounds perfect. Great. We'll get it started and it'll be ready in two weeks, March 20th. Oh, can we also get a couple of waters? Of course. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Alonzo Duraldi. Uh, our usual host, Ify Wadaway, is at sea, uh, for real, for once. But here in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Ashley Ray. Today's film comes from legendary Polish director Jerzy Skolomowski. Uh, as we mentioned before, this film is up for Best International Feature at the Academy Awards. It premiered at Cannes 2022 and appeared on many top 10 lists for last year, including mine, and it stars a series of donkeys. Drea, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of EO? It stars a series of donkeys, but they are playing a singular donkey, and that is the EO of the title. Uh, We first meet EO when he is in a traveling circus in Poland and has um, a very caring and compassionate young woman who is his trainer, best friend, rider? fellow actor Cassandra (laughs) and then uh, he's very quickly no longer with the circus and you are on a series of adventures with EO across both the Polish and then the Italian countryside um, coming across a whole range of uh, humans so of course some of them are lovely and some are absolute garbage Um, and one is Isabelle Huppert yes yes (laughs) I'm sorry, I should have said that. Um, <laughs> loveliness, loveliness, garbage, Isabella Huppert. The, yeah, the range Isabelle of humanity. Huppert, As uh, you do. Very, very interesting role. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so yes, it is sort of vignette style. You're moving around. You are point of view of the donkey. And um, yeah, it is, a, it is an unusual journey because of that. EO. I love that this movie is basically the title is like European for hee haw. Yeah. Because that's basically what EO is. It's it's an onomatopoeic of what the donkey says. Because I also was like, is it like a Eeyore thing? I, okay, that makes more (laughs) sense. And I kept thinking of Old MacDonald had a farm E I E I O. E I O? They should have have stunt cast like, you know, junior samples or somebody to really kind of bring it home. But I I don't even know who's alive from Hee Haw. (laughs) Half our audience is like, what the fuck is he talking about? So we'll move on. Uh, So both for Zodre and Ashley, like, what had you guys heard about this movie going into it? And was it what you expected? Did it, it, you know, zig when you thought it was going to zag? Yeah. Going into this, all I had heard was it's the donkey movie. Which mm. I, all I heard was it's the donkey movie. I assumed the EO had something to do with Eeyore because I heard about Winnie the Pooh entering like the public domain and people making movies. So oh. I, I assumed it was some dark EO version blood of and honey. Yeah, I was literally like, oh, this must be some weird EO thing, like Eeyore. And then it, of course it was not that. It totally different. I loved it. It was just. I did not have high hopes. I'll be honest. I, I'm not a big animal person. I didn't love Babe. I was like, okay, let's see what we get and. This got me. This I was sobbing. It's beautiful. I, yeah, mm. I like. I almost maybe became a vegetarian. No, I'm good. But maybe. So, so you don't like animatron. You don't like animatronic animals. But if they're real, then you can you can get behind. It. I mean, I just have. N- I honest. I've never been a big animal movie person. Like I never cared about Air Bud. I never cared about like <laughs> anything where it's like. Homeward Bound. Homeward, I once said on this show that I would eat oak jaw, so I can't, I can't <laughs> cast stones here. Yeah. You know, like when all the other kids were like, "Oh, Homeward Bound," are these cats and dogs going to get home? I couldn't care. I just Milo was like, and Otis. Yeah. <laughs> "Yeah, oh, you know, that's a don't even go, don't even go down that that rabbit hole." 
so Dre, of course, you are super clued into the film festival world. Uh, uh, had did you start hearing about that? Because I, when they, you know, this was because the the can lineup when it comes into like mm-hmm. what the big title, like this was a competition title. So I heard going in, oh, he's doing this. Okay, interesting. Uh, so like, did did you were you able to catch up with it quickly, or did it take a while to get to it? No, I definitely, and also because I do oversee the Spirit Awards nominations, I'm tracking mm. international films in a way that I used to do only to domestic right. um, releases and in indies. And so, yeah, this was on my radar and I was looking out for it and had been wanting to see it for a while. But I was also hesitant. There's something about, like, my thing with animal movies, Ashley, isn't, Oh, I'm not, that's not my thing. It's, oh, am, how's this going to make my heart feel? Am I going mm. to be able to handle yeah. this? And I don't even right. think I'm like that much of a marshmallow. I mean, I'm mostly a marshmallow. Do you have doesthedogdie.com bookmark? <laughs> no, but I have like one of my best friends, Marnie, literally will be like, just tell me the ending. She won't watch things unless I like proof the animal, uh, like the animal proof content of life. for her. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And this one, I was like, oh, I mean, there's no way I'm following this thing. And so you still know. I'm like, of course, there's going to be ups and downs. Of course, bad things. I'm going to uh, assume I'm going to see this donkey hurt in some way. Because like I said, yeah, people be garbage. Um, but yeah, that had kept Soccer me hooligans. from engaging. But then when I yeah. did see it, when I first saw it in the fall, um, one of the strengths of this film is that it is not just um, a manipulative emotional play. It is not like you are certainly sympathetic to EO and you're like, yes, I'm on this journey with EO. I am seeing what EO is having to unfairly endure in the way that you would with a lot of protagonists. But it does a really interesting threading of the needle. And I'm not going to say this word right, but you know when they're anthropomorphized? Did I say it right? Yeah, when, like, you did. Okay, who I stuck the landing. <laughs> but you know, like when when people imbue an animal and they're just trying to project human characteristics and reactions. And this film, I found a lot more nuanced than that, and that yeah. was something that really elevated it a lot for me. Yeah, you know, there are the moments when it's like, oh, there's a tear that comes out of Eo's eye, or like, you know, he's sad and doesn't want to eat the carrot. But there are, the, I, I thought, again, more nuance where there were moments where I'm like, why is he acting that way? Where the, he's acting like an animal. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. Yeah. And I, I thought it was great that you said, you know, you can't watch things where, where you're like, oh, are animals getting hurt? Because I'm one of those people who's like, let me see if I can watch Okta and still eat meat after. Let me see if it is. Like, let me see. And so, <laughs> try, yeah, me. try me. What you got. Let's, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And so I, this one, I was like, come on, let's see if I'm going to really be crying over this. Time. And by the end, I oh, was I mean, sobbing. Wrong. I, I, was, I sobbing. was eating sausage the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. Per- I had my donkey salami actually in front of me. And <laughs> I had a jerky. It was nice. Um, I, you know, and I think, well, the, the, you know, it's like you, you mentioned the, yeah, there's a moment where you see like the tear, but I think like EO gives really wicked side eye throughout much of this yeah. movie. Like, like Parker Posey level deadpan, like, yeah, like, really? <laughs> the, yeah. Really? Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it, so yeah, I think he, he gets to be a lot of different things, including just like an animal responding, you know, the, the way that an animal does. Um, as a pointy-headed film nerd, I this is the moment where I have to mention 
uh, Robert Brisson's Ohasard Balthazar, which Skolomowski has mentioned as a direct precedent for the film, um, which is this you know classic movie about uh, a donkey in the later part of his life, sort of going from one crappy situation to another, and it's very. Um, you know, if the Chronicles of Narnia wasn't enough Jesus metaphor for you, you'll definitely get some out of Ohazard Balthazar, but it's a it's a beautiful film. But Brisson is such a spare filmmaker and Skolomowski has a different take on it. And so like I mean he he's the first to tell you, oh yes, this movie wouldn't exist without Matt, that movie. But I think in no way is it like a a remake or anything. Um but you know, so I, I what what I what I really love about this thing, one of the things that, that you know this film won Best Foreign Film from a lot of the critics groups, but it also won Best Cinematography uh, from a lot yeah. of those groups as well. And I think just the way that it is shot in terms of being a POV, but also putting this character in such vastly different surroundings and um, capturing these different sort of, I, you know, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a whole EU metaphor here, maybe. Maybe that's what the title is also <laughs> referring to. You know, everything from the soccer hooligans yeah. to the circus to the agrarians to the Isabelle Huppert of it all. You know, you, you're getting all of these different things thrown at you in a way that by the end does still feel cohesive. They do such a great job. I'm glad you brought up the soccer hooligans. I hate them. Hated the soccer hooligans. Yeah. yeah. Hated them a whole lot, and I was meant to. So, congrats yes. to the team. Yes. But <laughs> like that, when that segment came up, you have these small things. You're like, "Oh, people are animals." I yeah. get it. I get what you're doing. <laughs> like this, you know, the absence of language from your lead character does not matter when you are presented with the sort of forest gumpy structure of wandering <laughs> yeah. into all of these different scenarios and being like, ooh, this is what good people are like. Oh, this is what, what trash, trash people, people are yeah. like. <laughs> but Alonzo's right. Like, it is very difficult to convey point of view in a film. Most times there's such a, it's one of those things when you look at, very valid critiques of the canon of how much the default role tends has been historically like a white cisgendered male POV. Mm. A lot of people watching movies still default to that. Yeah. Like you still are like, oh, what viewpoint am I seeing? And when you're pushing it so far that you're like, oh no, the POV, it's not just that you're watching this donkey, like we also discussed the live action Dumbo on this program. And like in many ways, like you're following Dumbo around, but that is not the POV of Dumbo, right? Whereas this, you're watching it and you're very much like, oh, I am going through this. Even when I see him on screen, I'm going through this as the donkey yeah. and right. seeing the world that way. And in, in certain times, so one of one of the elements in here that it, it also ties the cinematography is they do these regular returns to this red light sort of night photography in moments of trauma or high stress or maybe memory. And there is a point where he has been physically injured and it's highly traumatic and you imagine he's in pain and all of this. And all of a sudden what you're watching in this red light skittering across the Polish countryside is uh, like a robot dog. And it's this straight, I was like, yeah. wait, why am I on this dog? But, but you know, like, you know, on a molecular level, you're like, oh, I'm on this dog because he's hurt so much. This is the base 
the 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 most base instinct of this animal which is like get away and go hide and i have to be robotic to get there like it's this whole thing you're like it shouldn't make any sense but it was this beautiful filmmaking that i was like oh i feel like i know exactly why i'm now looking at a robot dog yeah whereas i hear myself saying it now and i'm like well no that's also crazy yeah it, it, like for them. <laughs> yeah trying to explain this movie to people it, it doesn't it makes no sense <laughs> you know trying yeah. to explain the way the intersections of the people are and i'm like well yeah there's this part where a truck driver and this happens and it's like my friends are like well does that matter at the end and i'm like no but it's it but kind but no but kind of. you're missing the point <laughs> you're missing the point okay <laughs> yeah but does do, ultimately does it really matter to any of us who we encounter as we exactly. move along when we're in our final moments? Nay, nay, nay. it does not. Says EO. <laughs> says EO. Yeah, but yeah, I that mean, movement you know. was bonkers. Alonzo. Well, no, the, the the quote that people always love to come back to from Roger Ebert, you know, who famously said that that the 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 cinema is a, a machine that creates empathy, and you're right, like. It, Movies can put us into so many different mindsets and make us understand, you know, the characters in women talking or the characters in, you know, the Avatar movies or whatever, as divorced from our own reality or situation or whatever, the, you know, we, we get to see the world that way. And so, yeah, to take that a whole other step and like put it into this creature who does not communicate, who, who has a totally different take on everything because, you know, he's not bipedal or whatever else that the human beings are. I, you know, I, I think that's one of the great gifts of this movie is that, that it kind of reminds you just how powerful it is to, to use the, the power of cinematic storytelling, you know, basically to, to, to kind of put you in somebody else's head. If I may yeah. as well, and you're going to love that I'm going to bring this up because I know the look you're going to give me lots of. But so um, Skolomowski was 84 when he directed mm-hmm. or is 84 now. And there's, you know, we obviously have a handful of auteurs who won't stop fucking making movies for better or for worse. Can't <laughs> wait to see Megapolis. Um Shout out to my friend Hannah, who's working on old Frankie Ford Coppola's new (laughs) absolute crazy ass thing. But um, this movie, in my head, I was like, oh, I I actually felt that there were themes about I've learned this in my life and I want to convey this cinematically. That strangely reflected what I some of my more positive takeaways of The Irishman um, oh. The Scorsese film of that idea of, oh, I've been, I mean, both of these are filmmakers who are our two auteurs who have been making film for decades at uh, just a, a well-respected level, but a level where they're also students of film, lovers of film, and pushing how cinematic language works. And to me, it I resonated more with EO and with the idea of, oh, this is a filmmaker with, again, like decades of experience as a human and a filmmaker. And then on screen, what does that look like? Like, how how is yeah. he playing with what he's been learning about humanity, about insight, um, and then about camera technique? <laughs> and sewing, and I don't know, I think having that perspective of knowing because I do think this would be a very different film if it was made by like, ooh, this was 
you know, twenty something new kid on the block. Yeah, yeah, shot it with an iPhone, and it looks fantastic, and could still be great film. Would it have? It would have a different ethos than what this film has. I will say, I, I did not know much about the the director before I watched it. Uh, I, I didn't know anything, and watching it, I thought this must be some fresh new voice. This must be like someone like wow. just shaking up the norms of film. And then I, of course, looked and I'm like, oh, this is like his 16th film. Uh, no, not the case <laughs> at all. Okay, yeah, this this makes actually more sense that someone who knows what they are doing was capable of doing something so different with the medium. Uh, and I'm sure he would be thrilled to hear you say that. Yeah, in, I, in I just, yeah I was just so <laughs> shocked, you know, and I think because I'm so used to on the side of older directors being a little like, okay, we, okay, thank you for still making things. Appreciate it. Uh, but in <laughs> well, this case, I, I, yeah, I was just, I loved it. Yeah. I will say if this is your gateway drug for Skolomowski, uh, one of my favorite of his films is on Criterion Channel right now, as well as EO, uh, a 1982 movie called Moonlighting, where uh, Jeremy Irons uh, plays a, a Polish contractor who is working on an illegal job with a team of Polish construction workers in London um, when the solidarity strikes happen and they can't go home. And he's the only one of them who speaks English and sort of uses that power to close off the other guys from the news of what's happening and to kind of lie to them about when they're going to go home and what they're doing. And it's this great metaphor about, you know, how totalitarian regimes use the power of the media and of access to, you know, like tamp down, you know, the people under them and to sort of control what they know and what they hear and what they, what they're allowed to learn. Um, it's really intense and I, 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 I super recommend it. Uh, but yeah. And Andrea, I'm so thrilled. The Irishman has stuck with you this much because <laughs> oh, heaven yeah. knows. Can't get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I think the, 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 you're right. There is, this is, I think it, it's both, you know, it, it, there is an, an accumulated wisdom on display here, but there's also a, an, an aesthetic daring to try things that are different. Like, I mean, that whole sort of the kind of ravey music and light stuff that will, will pop up occasionally. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh yeah, grandpa's at it again. You know, the, yeah. this is something that, yeah. that is absolutely uh, exciting. And I think this is a movie that when it premiered at Cannes, people didn't necessarily expect that it was going to, that we would still be talking about it a year later and that it would be, you know, up for a couple of Oscars and having done so well with critics. What is it you think that just in general is really, you know, appealing to audiences that's making them this excited about this movie? Hmm. I think there's something about, yeah, that vignette style of moving piece to piece Mm. And the idea, it's, I mean, and I say that it's not disjointed. It's not like, oh, it's an episodic. Yeah. It's more, um, it's like slackers. Like he cycles in and out of different characters. Mm. And there's something about that that stuck with me. That when I think of it later, I think of it in my head as episodes of like, like we mentioned when Isabel Huppert comes and right. it's like, an chapters. hour in or yeah. something. And chapters is a great way to explain it. And that each of the humans are both pivotal to the where we are in the moment, but also inconsequential yeah. to this donkey. And there's yeah. something about that, like that grain of what that gives you about 
angst or anything like that is the kind of takeaway that I think stays with people in a lasting manner that you're like, Oh, I'm not just ruminating on this fun thing. And do you remember that part or that it's that it gives you a weird existential kind of squiggle along with everything else. (laughs) And yeah, I I think along with that, it just speaks to sort of the, the randomness of fate and where we sort of end up in society. I love the moments where you kind of realize no one cares about this donkey. Like when he's uh, in the, in the town and the firefighter is like afraid of him. And the woman's like, it's just a donkey, you know, and people don't care about him. No one is like, Oh, feed it. Should we take it in? If this was a cat or a lost dog, someone would be like, we have to help it. And just the way that we decide who matters, what matters, what kind of animal, what kind of person do we care about? What kind of relationships matter? You know, I I thought it gets at the heart of that. Um, And then also, I think for me, I... I like I I think anyone who knows me and is listening to this is probably shocked I'm here because I'm a TV person. That's why I have a podcast about television. And the only like movie director I, I ever really got into was Ingmar Bergman. I was a Bergman scholar in college, studied like all of his films. And oh, wow. before I watched this, I remembered he had some quote where he I think saw the movie that this was like based on that you mentioned earlier. But he saw that and said oh, something Bethesda, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he said something like uh, when he saw that um a donkey is never interesting to me. Humans are interesting to me. (laughs) So (laughs) coming into this being someone who's like, okay, I love Bergman. Let me see like what could possibly, (laughs) but by the end of it, I was like, this was not a story about a donkey. This felt like a human story and particularly the end and what, you know, it points to. Mm. Well, it's about existing in the world, which is a thing that we, that, that the human beings do, that animals do. And there are different ways to tell that story. So, yeah, I'm imagining Skolomowski, checkmate Ingmar. <laughs> I was like, yes, Ingmar wasn't right about everything. Maybe I should watch some other movies. <laughs> yeah, just ask, just ask Lee Bullman. She'll tell you. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Well, listen, now is the time where we vote. And uh, Ashley, our, uh, our ranking on this show is uh, Screen It is our uh, a full-throated, uh, unequivocal recommendation. Stream It is a, you know, somewhat milder recommend and Skip It speaks for itself. So who would like to go first? I'll show her how it's – this is a Screen It for me. I think um, – yeah, I think EO is a really special movie. I think it's – but I also do think there's an emotional – component to this if you are sensitive to animals on screen like there were several times where I was like mute mute like the first (laughs) you know I just I'm like no no I I don't want to hear this I don't want to or you're just like oh fun to be reminded of how some humans disgust me but I think it's really powerful it for something so simple it's like under an hour and a half It, it it moves along and you are going to want to kiss a donkey on the side of their little Aww. face. Their furry little face. Very true. Very true. I'm going to agree. Screen it. I loved this movie. And again, like I'm not a big movie person. And it just brought that passion and excitement back to me. The cinematography is beautiful. The red shots that you mentioned, I think just there are so many scenes that stuck with me. Obviously, like the waterfall moment. Just, just beautiful <gasps> scenes that I was mm. like, I... I wanted to experience in a theater. Like I wish I had gotten that big screen experience with this movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a sweep. I'm, I'm absolutely screen it. Yeah. Gorgeous filmmaking. 
haunting, beautiful, uh, all the adjectives that you want. And, and again, I think it's one of those great reminders that, you know, there's so much more to telling a story or capturing a character than just like, well, this happens and then this happens and then this happens. It's like, yes, the, there are, there are, there is a series of events that unfold, but it is just more sort of the, the, the macro kind of just getting through life of it all that I think really resonates. And, and yeah, it, it was my number five of last year. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I stick into my guns. It was, it's a movie that I really adore. Uh, we'll be right back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Where am I? On Maximum Fun. What do you want? A podcast miniseries about The Prisoner. Whose side are you on? That would be telling, but okay, I'm on my own side. It's one of my favorite ever TV shows. We want a podcast on it. A prisoner podcast. You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? I'm Elliot Kalin. Who is number one? Jesse Thorne. But you are John Hodgman. I am not a prisoner podcaster. I am a free man. (laughs) Are you okay? Elliot, are you all right? Okay, I'll watch it. All four episodes of Be Potting You are out now. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Alonzo Duraldi. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Ashley Ray. Uh, and also I'm here. Uh, it's me, Woo! Marissa, the producer of the show. <laughs> and I've got an exciting update, a very exciting update. Um, people have voted, the people have spoken on the Hall of Excellence nominees, successfully managed to not get any write-ins. Um, <laughs> and the it's delicious truth is that if he's nominee of Beethoven uh, while being the animal that appeared in the most movies of any move of any animal nominated uh, got the least amount of votes with six percent of the genuinely votes. shocked wow. he always has the populist pick oh, fill the ocean he with your tears it. if he, he yeah he's up yeah. Float that boat <laughs> float that boat well speaking of things in the ocean coming in third place with 20 percent of the vote was jaws mm. also the animal that was the second most uh appearingest animal of the four and probably highest grossing yeah probably the yeah. highest grossing uh, yeah yeah, star of the first blockbuster, Jaws, <laughs> yes. Um, with 24% of the vote, a uh, respectable 24%, we have Rakakuni. Nice. Everything the Daniels. Yeah. The Daniels, yeah. Are. Putting your money where our mouth is. And um, that means, of course, of course, with 50% of the vote, Paddington cleaned up. <sighs> Alonzo gets one. Um, I have we have just a few comments here to share from uh, the voters. Um, Matt Tonio says Alonzo Duralde is my boy, and I'm happy to vote with him. First time ever. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, wow. Uh, eventually <laughs> okay, yeah. it was going to happen, Matt. So I'm glad we got there. You're, you're his boy, <laughs> so he was going to give you one vote eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the one. David says this was so hard. Paddington is a perfect character, but Jaws is my favorite movie. Does not reveal who he voted for. Fair enough. Ooh. Um, other honorable mentions. The sanctity mentions. of the voting booth. We would never press you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, other honorable mentions. Um, the Great Dane from the Ugly Dachshund. Oh, okay. That's an old. Huh. That's a well, Disney live action movie from like the sixties, I think. Okay. Oh my god. 
All right. <laughs> and yeah. me and Ashley uh, love that one. Yeah, big love fan. It. Big fan. Yeah. Another uh, animal that we know Ashley is a big fan of, Babe. <laughs> was uh, mentioned <laughs> by uh, I actually so. thought Babe would have like be on there at like higher I was like people love Babe I, pff, not me but people yeah. love Babe maybe if, if he had chosen Babe instead of Beethoven yeah. this would have been a tighter More of a race, race. But, <laughs> Babe, babe yeah. was on my, my possibilities absolutely um, so congratulations Alonzo yeah. getting a nominee cheers, cheers. into the Hall of Excellence lifted up into the rafters etc he'll be standing um, there next to gary Ullman's wig from uh bram stoker's yeah. dracula <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh, maybe uh paddington can wear the wig Ooh. that would be cute oh my drea's <laughs> photoshopping that. that as i we was speak. just gonna say yeah. challenge accepted <laughs> that happen <laughs> Um, well, before I uh, leave you guys to the rest of the C block, um, let me just uh, set you up with a little question here. Um, so I don't know if you guys watch this on the Criterion channel, if anybody checked out the um, one of the little featurettes that they had was a conversation with the writer, director, a team of EO. And they talked about how before they even knew that they wanted to make a movie about a donkey from a donkey's POV, they knew that they wanted to make a movie that wasn't from a human POV. Um, so then they then they decided that they discovered a donkey and the eyes of the donkey were so expressive, etc. Check it out for yourself if you have Criterion Channel <laughs> subscription. Um, but what I propose to you is, what if you could pick a non-human, and just so that we don't have two animal-focused topics in two weeks in a row, <laughs> broaden it out. It could be an animal, a machine, like any kind of inanimate object, like whatever. Um, one of those through whose eyes you would enjoy seeing uh, the world. Mm. Um, in, a, in a movie, of course, not in real life. That's a different answer, I think. <laughs> I'm curious what you have to say about this very weird question. Okay, this one was weird because I was like, oh, it'd be kind of too easy in a way to just say another animal, but you also want some sort of mobility or you're like, oh yeah, I'd like to be a doorstop so that I can <laughs> yeah. see the four people that walk by this door. So what came to mind for me, and especially if I'm thinking on a movie, like, oh, what can I do from like the creation process, blah, blah. I would like to make a motion picture where I'm telling a story from the perspective of one of those... Um, hula girls that you put on the dashboard that like <laughs> uh. shake like the like have the little jiggle to them mm. um you get to travel you can like sh she could be gifted to someone like oh it's your first car whatever it is so you already have the journey from there she gets to be at a party and then she gets to go on the car and then at some point she gets unstuck maybe she's in an accident maybe she's a little pervy and Watching, uh, you know, people fool around in the back seat. Like maybe it could be a bank know, she's robbery. She's yeah, traveling cross country. Robbery. She's she's in baby driver's car. Like there's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. But then, then she gets sort of you know old and you know she gets unstuck. She moves to a different car. Like she ends up on like oh like a kitschy like uh, office. Like and I'm picturing like the cubicles from the Matrix. Like oh, <laughs> put me back in a car. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm so workshopping. But I that like seemed it. Fun to me. Full of possibility. Also, yeah, you cool. know, constant movement. There you go. You could even bring in back that rave lighting, but on the hula <laughs> oh, dancer. Yeah, yeah. on the hula dancer. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. 
Ashley, what do you got? I mean, I I felt like I I was like boring with it. I was just like I've always wanted to be an orca, and I would want to just swim with the orcas all day. I guess specifically though, I would want a That's film from the, the point of view. Yeah, I would want a point the, from the point of view of Tillicum. Tilly, the like evil whale from from Blackfish. <laughs> like oh. I would love to specifically oh, be solid. in his mind and like just the experience of like the evil whale. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't want to be evil. Tell the whale story. It's no. important to me. I tell the villain <laughs> the villain story. story okay, yeah. like how humans made him so evil, and he was taken from his family off the coast of Iceland, and yeah. No, a very dramatic story. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots there. And just yeah, watching no, him slowly lose his mind until he takes multiple lives. I'm in. I, I want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Hey. I, and look, every villain is the hero of their own story. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was inspired by my, my sisters today went on the Warner Brothers studio tour and uh, they you know, were talking about how like a lot of these buildings we have seen over and over again in different movies and TV shows. And they sort of toured the, the props thing. And so it got me thinking about like, if you were going to do an inanimate object, if it was like, it could be a dress, it could be, I don't know, like uh, um, a bar or something, but basically something that gets built like in the silent era. And then you see the evolution of cinema through the movies that this, set gets put in basically so you know the bar maybe is in a western originally and then it becomes part of like (gasps) casablanca and then you know like somebody's tap dancing on it in the 50s and then it's part of like you know i don't know a black exploitation film later and then it's in like a tv sitcom like you know just you could really kind of cover the entire sort of century of, of of a movie studio through this one like piece of furniture. Yeah. Could you? Would you call it bar- Barbalon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't feel good about that. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't. I'm sorry. You're bad, My and apologies. you should feel bad. No, You're yeah, the villain yeah, of this it's... show now, Drea. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should be the villain of their, of their own story. Yeah, exactly. There Everyone you is go. The villain. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, hey, look. If you have thoughts about uh, animal or or uh, you know immobile object through which you think a, a great movie could be told, uh, go to our Facebook page and leave it in the comments and uh, uh, give yes. us your pitches. And Drea will steal them and turn them into a major motion picture. Uh, <laughs> yes. And now we get to the part of the show called Staff Picks, where we all recommend a movie. It can be new, it can be old, it can be anything in between. Uh, Drea, you want to kick us off? I do. The film I have has nothing to do with donkeys or Polish filmmaking, um, but I, I do really want people to check it out. It is called Bruiser. It is a directorial debut from Miles Warren that is currently on Hulu. Um, Trevante Rhodes was nominated for Best Supporting Performance at the Spirit Awards for his role in it. Uh, many of you may hopefully remember him from Moonlight, the movie If He Loves to Bring Up to Sound Smart When He's Not Name Dropping <laughs> Judy. Um, it also stars in really beautiful performance of Jalen Hall, um, who also was in Till playing Emmett Till, which we spoke about a few months ago, um, and Shamir Anderson. And it is a a father-son story that's also an emotional triangle um, of relationships and identity and uh, boyhood to manhood. And yeah, I think it's, it's a 
pretty great watch. It is um, that kind of small indie that doesn't get a lot of light, especially when it goes straight to streaming. So um, yes, Bruiser, please check it out, support it. I bet you will enjoy it. Hulu. Yeah, it's very Hulu. good. I watched it this past weekend. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, Ooh, I don't yeah. watch movies. No, Except yeah. a TV person. I don't <laughs> well, it was on Hulu, which made me think. Oh, this so now it's I TV. Share, okay, I thought gotcha. it was a TV show when I started it because <laughs> I saw Tremonti yeah. Awards and I was like, oh, is this like a TV show? And then I was in too deep before I realized. I've been hoodwinked. Yeah, it's a feature I've, film. I've been tricked into a movie. So, <laughs> uh, I Perfect. also am going to recommend a Hulu movie, uh, Three Ways, which just came out last month. Uh, it's written and directed by Jamal Dado. Uh, it features Andrea Lewis, if you're a Degrassi fan out there. <laughs> I am. Uh, she was on Degrassi. and She just starred in uh, one of the Hallmark Mahogany yes, movies. Yes, in, right? in the Hallmark Mahogany movie. Uh, and this came out before. It is very much not a Hallmark movie. It is her in this new relationship where she's trying to explore like new sexual boundaries and decides to have a threesome with this new partner, uh, which is totally outside of her comfort zone. And it looks at what happens that night from the perspective of all three people involved. And it's just really smart, clever, entirely black cast crew behind it. And it's one of the best, just funniest looks I've ever seen at modern black dating and polyamory. Uh, It really looks at like open relationships in a way that isn't stereotypical, is really nuanced. And again, at its core is just hilarious. It is such a funny, funny movie. So original title was Horny Rashomon. (laughs) Actually, it was originally called Threesome. And then because it's technically a Disney Hulu movie that was produced by Anscape, Disney was like, that's too sexual. Make it three ways. Uh. Uh, uh, so, okay. okay. I mean, there was actually a movie called Threesome back in the 90s. Anyway, but yeah, that's. No. Oh, Di- oh, oh clear Disney. It, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Uh, so, mine, again, also not related to Donkeys or Polish filmmaking or Hulu, um, but a movie that I really loved last year that I, I feel like kind of went under a lot of people's radar. Uh, it did premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, uh, Drea. Uh, it's a documentary called Framing Agnes from uh, trans filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chase Joint, who did a really terrific movie a couple yeah. of years ago about Billy Tipton called No Ordinary Man. And this new one uh, basically is about a, a, a subjects of an actual study that occurred at UCLA in the 1960s. And um, the the transcripts are being reenacted in a talk show format uh, by a bevy of uh, contemporary trans actors, including Laverne Cox, Zachary Drucker, uh, Silas Howard, Stephen Ira. And um, it, you know, it's both a historical perspective about where uh, trans people were and, and how they were able to, you know, how visible they were or were not able to be in society at the time of this UCLA study. Um, but also the the film then integrates interviews with all the performers talking about their actual lives in the 21st century. And um, it's uh, fascinating and uh, illuminating and beautifully put together the, the, the way that they stage the, the talk show to sort of look like the old kind of Mike Wallace interviews versus the way that they stage the contemporary stuff. Obviously, um, with all that's been going on with right-wing politicians trying to other trans people and, you know, use them as the uh, chum in the water to rile up the, you know, more hideously fascist tendencies of their bases. Uh, I think it's all the more important that we hear 
uh, trans perspectives, trans stories, you know, from the people who are living, you know, uh, their truths in that world and who uh, have a lot to educate people about uh, because heaven knows there's enough misinformation and hysteria going around about uh, what it means to be trans. So this is a really powerful film. I'm so glad it's out there. It is currently available for purchase or rent uh, at Amazon and at Kino now. So yeah, check out Framing Agnes. And hey, this has been a blast. I always feel weird being the host because I usually just get to sit back and uh, if he does all the heavy lifting of this part. But uh, (laughs) thanks for being here with us today. Thank you, Ashley Ray, for joining us. This is awesome. Uh, Thank you for having me, introducing me to to Film Club. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, you'll never watch another one. But no, Uh, (laughs) thank you. Tell tell folks about your show and uh, where they can find you online. Yes, if you would like to join me in some TV talk, come listen to TV I Say with Ashley Ray, where we talk to your favorite comedians, writers, actors about the favorite shows, the shows that you know made them fall in love with TV. Uh, and you can follow me online at the Ashley Ray. Find out about my stand-up shows, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, and or you know, just follow me on Twitter. Maybe I'll tweet about some movies soon. I'm gonna watch them now. I'm in. I'm so. <laughs> I, I will be. I will be holding my breath on that. So yes, make it happen. I'm, I'm in. Okay, I already <laughs> watched the other. I'm gonna watch the one you said. So framing Agnes, uh, all right. there it is. Yes. <laughs> oh man, this is very exciting. Uh, and I'm totally checking out three ways. Drea, thank you for another wonderful episode. And uh, we send our, our love to Ify and hope that he is not getting um, seasick on on the big boat. That There's being... no world where that guy's not taking an I'm the king of the world shot, right? On <laughs> yeah. that cru- Absolutely. On the, on the bow of the cruise ship. I, like, I will world. be sorely disappointed if he doesn't right? do that. Yeah. yeah, or one of those Fingers like crossed. I'm on a boat, like yacht shots. That's like really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, one or the other. I'm I'm gonna say he's he's going straight to paint me like one of your French girls. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think you know that with yeah. with a lot yep. of yeah. with a lot of thigh going on, you know, as because that's just how you do it. <laughs> uh, if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at maximum underscore film. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, Creed Three. So you've got a whole week to check it out in theaters if you haven't seen it already, and join us again for that discussion. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com/groups/maximumfilm, or send us an email. At at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org. Our delightful producer is Marissa Flaxbart. Our wonderful senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.